And we're back. It has been more than a month. I have not been resting on my laurels or kicking my feet up. It has been quite a busy, crazy time. So with Bonnie and I's company, Concept Theory, we have launched three or four sites just in the past month or two and also have uh, three or four in the works. Um, I've also helped launch two Spotify sites as well as the Game Awards, which uh, if you haven't heard of it, you definitely need to check it out. It's an amazing site this year. It is like the Oscars of video games. Um, And that is something that is ongoing right now as well. And we're selling our house. And the boys are home. (laughs) So it, uh, it feels like quite a crunchy period, but I am excited to get back into the swing of things. When I thought about who best to interview next, Lindsay Ballet came to mind, and it's the most perfect time to talk about this. Lindsay started a company called She Works Abroad, and Lindsay is one of the most ambitious, entrepreneurial, nicest people I know. I've known Lindsay for almost seven years now. We worked at a startup in New York together, and that is when she started her company. And now with the pandemic and everyone working at home, working remote, it has changed the face of remote work. Lindsay's services and knowledge and expertise come to bear more than any other time. So what Lindsay does is she can help you figure out how to move and live and work abroad. Whether you're working at a current company and you want her help to convince them, show them that it is advantageous for you to go live and work somewhere else, whether you want to find another company to work with elsewhere, uh, or if you are just a free spirit and you want to figure out how the heck can I go live in Costa Rica? How can I go live in Spain for a while um, and, and make money? She is the one to ask. So this is such a great time to talk about, uh, to talk about that. We kick off this episode talking about life and business and family and lockdown and how, how, how we're faring, how to fare this period. And then we really dive deep into, uh, into Lindsay's work and countries that are prime or will be prime here soon uh, when things get sorted out to to target in terms of living and working um, countries that 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 favor um, nomads and remote workers, how to approach it, when to start planning, um, lots of of juicy tips and tricks um, and insights. So if you if you've always wanted to work abroad uh, or um, or travel or, or find a company to work with, this is the episode for you. So I'll stop talking. Let's get into an episode and a chat with Lindsay Ballet. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been a run for the past three weeks. I actually haven't put an episode out since the middle of October because it's been one thing after another, but we've got a little bit of sleep regression going on with the youngest and he needs to be held or nurtured at all times. No. At night. So, but he, he sleeps fine during the day. 
So of course, it's just at night. It's just at I night. Know. But no, other than that, everything's good. You wonder, like, sleep regression slash figured out that he can do it. You know, mm, like, is it manipulation? I, like, which part of this is this? This regression? I do think it's so. Bonnie was reading that some of regression is when they learn new skills. So I learned to turn over, I learned to roll over. And does that also mean that I now have more awareness that these skills exist, including other skills that we may not know about, which is, okay, if I do this thing, I get this thing. And you start that sort of, is it passive or manipulation of (laughs) uh, making us do the things that he wants us to do? So. For me, Cola goes to bed, like not even, it's not even a question. I'm like, okay, it's time for bed. And I pick her up, I put her in her bed, she lays down, I cover up and I leave. And that's it. And for John, very similar. And then for our nanny, nope. She screams, she cries, she carries on. I'm like, because you go in and get her. Right. Like she knows there's a 0% chance I'm returning to the room. So if she thinks that you're going to come back, she's going to pull out all the stops. It's really funny, though. I think we know that that is an option in terms of just like, you're fine, you'll figure it out. But also, I would say with William being four now, he is in a very repetitive. He's in the wise and he's in the like green car. Where's green car? Daddy, where's green car? Green car? Is green car here? Where's green car? Mm-hmm. Where's green car? And at the end of the day, between sort of just auditory input, I definitely have that threshold where I'm like, I'm going to pick you up and cuddle you for a minute. Totally. <laughs> like, I, I just can't, you know, I just can't totally. do with uh, minutes and minutes and minutes of crying. So yeah, it's an interesting balance. It's Well, and he stops crying. That's always the thing, right? It's like, if it works. Right. I know. And then we all get soothed. <laughs> Well, how are you on all the things? Uh, I'm good. Uh, you're, you haven't been... I bumped going. Oh, yeah. You got the bump how far along? Um, seven months. Wow. Yeah, I know. Different? Different with second so far? Yeah. Or second? Way bigger, faster. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. At like four months, it was like very clear I was pregnant. Where before it took to like six months. I just think the muscles were like, oh, we're doing this again. Great. Done. Let's do it. Let's do it. But besides that, pretty much the same. I mean, I'm more tired because I'm running after a toddler as well. So <laughs> that like comes with the territory, but it's fine. The only thing is like, I never go to the doctor ever. I've gone to my doctor twice in seven months. So different in New York. Bonnie and I were talking about this in New York. I feel like they wanted her there. Like they were like, great. Every other week, they come see us and just lots of check-ins. And here in Georgia, we were we were with Kaiser during... Uh, Matthew, they were like, yeah, we'll see you in a number of months. You're good. Let us know if you have any questions. And it was just so different. We were like, aren't we going to do more checking? But, you know. Nope. And with COVID, they're like, don't come in. We don't need to see you. Yeah. Like, show us video evidence of your growth. Okay, great. (laughs) Done. Wow. I know. It has changed everything. Everything. Truth. How do you feel like from a work perspective, just having Colette there and sort of splitting your brain and remote work plus daycare plus? Yeah. So we have a live-in nanny. She moved in. Oh, that's great. That just takes so much pressure off. Yeah. Because you're not like trying to get like start, stop. Like I got to be there by eight and I got to pick them up by five. But it does mean she's like around. Like she's around during the day. 
And so she will like, there are points in the day where she'll see me outside, you know, and Mama! <laughs> so before when it was like, oh, none of my clients really knew I had a child. Right. Now everyone knows. Now everyone knows. And to a degree, I think it was early on in, in being locked down. Bonnie and I were on a client call. There must have been eight or 10 clients on the call plus us. And William just comes right in. He wasn't in the field of view, but you heard off camera. He was like, poop, poop. And I'm like, uh, okay. Yes, <laughs> sounds good. Just everyone just give me a second and I will be right back. So yeah, yeah it's you can't hide different. it. You just can't hide it. No. They're there. What are you guys doing for childcare? Or not doing? Uh it? no. It's really just balancing. So we just sort of Bonnie has Matthew most of the time because just from a feeding perspective, that that is easier. And then we sort of balance between, you know, Bonnie'll do some morning and then I'll take William out for lunch and then he goes down. He still is napping, which is awesome. at least we get sort of like this two hour chunk. And then I try and start earlier, but then I try and end earlier too. So yeah. by about three or four, I'll take him out and we go to the soccer field. We go to trampolines and try and do a two hour chunk sort of yeah. out of the house. And then the weekends, like we went hiking this past weekend. So just doing more experiences, but yep, it is inevitable. And he has a lot more iPad time than. I would probably want, but then I have this other side of my brain, which is like, boy, I was just glued to Nintendo and computers and like I spent every waking moment doing it. And I guess that was how I didn't finish college and (laughs) do all the computer things because I guess I just had it like burned into my brain. But I don't know. Yeah. It's a funny thing. All these sort of tensions of trying to get everything right while staying sane. While staying sane. I know. Well, how is how is she works abroad? It's good. Things have been really good. A lot of people who are just like, hey, when this lifts, like I gotta, I gotta have a plan. I gotta be out mm-hmm. of here. I gotta be doing something else. A lot of people finding remote positions, but like clients are now in Costa Rica. That seems to be the hot spot at the moment to move to. Mm-hmm. Which I understand. So it's been good. This second wave, we're close enough to a vaccine where you can like almost see the stretch. But we don't obviously know what that means for anything. For next you know? year. I know. We're already sort of planning that next year is a bit of a wash. Like, I think we're we're actually, and we're thinking about, I think we'll stay in the States, but we'll, we'll, we're thinking about renting our, out our house and just going somewhere else. I don't know where, but just somewhere else for a little while. Yeah. But to a place that maybe we rent a house with a sort of bigger yard or that we could do more things. But just sort of assuming we're doing this next year. Yeah. Because... Um, yeah. Like schools start and stop. They shut his school down and then they opened it back up. And we were like, I don't know, maybe. And now it's sort of is getting worse again. So so is it shut down right now? No, but I feel like it's it's very similar to how it was with, I mean, first round or second, I can't remember. It was Texas and Georgia were on the tail end. Everyone else sort of had it more worse uh, first and then Texas and Georgia got it. So I think we've just sort of resigned ourselves for the next little bit, especially with Matthew being so young. And I feel like we're sort of in a place now with Bonnie and I working that even if one of us got the flu, like even if one of us was out for a bit, it would be just such a, I mean, much yeah. less COVID. So I think we're, we've just been fairly conservative about like, let's just don't get sick with anything yeah. for a while and yeah, totally play that game. But it's interesting. You said Costa Rica. I always figured Costa Rica has always been, as I know it, uh, much more like 
you need to either be for like much more focused on jobs in Costa Rica, right? With Costa Ricans. And that it was harder to just sort of head over there and go get a job. Have they sort of loosened that? No, it's all digital nomad. It's all like, oh, hey, you're working remote for whomever. Mm. Like, we'll let you come into the country for a year. Just get a COVID test, like, before you leave and upon arrival. And then quarantine until we get your results back. And then you're, like, good to live here and not pay taxes for a year. Yeah. That's amazing. I like the no tax thing. So you see a lot of pre-planning for when when things lift, which is interesting. And now, obviously, remote work has fundamentally changed totally. forever, where yeah. it, it used to be, oh, you're a remote worker. That's such a tell me about it. I know. How, how is that? How do you do that? And now it's sort of like, well, yeah, this is this what, is we, what all we do. Think. This is what we're doing. I know. I'm excited to talk about that because that's like a big, it was on like the top of everyone's wish list and now it's here. It's like, how do you like mm-hmm. it? How's it going? Yeah. You know? For most people, it's like, this isn't so great just because of also the other confines of kids at home and everything like right. that. You know, it's not like the best setup for remote work, but um, fundamentally is going to shift what things look like. I've always thought, well, I, I remember even years and years ago, driving down the big interstate here in Atlanta and seeing a huge IBM building, just say, and thinking that company pays so much for that one building to like own it or lease it and then fill it up with desks and phones and donuts and all the things for everyone to come meet here. Mm -hmm. The capital like expenditures overhead of that is crazy. And now I imagine you have a lot of companies that are just thinking, oh, we don't have to do that as much anymore and things are still working. Yeah, and things are still Trending in the right direction for sure. But I think most people see this as a sprint, not a marathon. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like that, like, okay, when things do start to right size again, what's your plan? Because this has just been like a hodgepodge remote plan for most companies, right? It hasn't been like right. a well thought out, rolled out, sustainable, ongoing, right. programmatic change. So the change management is basically like ripping off a ripping off a band-aid, but then people at some point in time are like, how are you going to repatch this? So that like, we all feel like we all feel cared for, you know, and not right. just like we're sitting in our closet trying to avoid our kids trying to get six hours of <laughs> I know. Or like the time, the normal workday just sort of shifts. I've, I have found myself a number of times getting up at like 4 or 5 a.m. to do like really quiet early work yeah. or yeah. or late work or, yeah. but backing up a little bit, I want to, I want to sort of start with. All right. Tell me when we're officially starting. Uh, yeah, we're in it. Oh, we're in it. We're in it. What? I needed like a one, two, three. No, one, two, three. Hello. All right. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) I was just like spitballing, talking about stuff. I know. That's great. Okay. Let's, I want to start with, from an entrepreneurial perspective, you and your husband both are very entrepreneurial minded. You and I met at a startup, but still a fairly established company compared to entrepreneurial startup. Like from starting, one of the things I'm really interested in is you started She Works Abroad while you were at a full-time job and then you sort of made the transition. I'd love to sort of hear about that process and you know any thoughts that you would give to others thinking of doing the same. Sure. So when it comes to starting She Works Abroad, it really was just a ongoing inkle that I had I need to be writing, I need to be creating, I need to be talking about this, be talking about global careers and international life and what that looks like. And 
it started just with the, I need to be putting this out there and seeing if it resonates with other people who are seeing and feeling what I have felt around that we can be having bigger, more global careers and thinking more internationally and being more internationally minded. And so while it started with me mostly writing articles and having discussions with people and putting together a website where I was focusing on female expats, et cetera. I remember just like asking in the beginning of this, while I was working full time and literally waking up early, like 5 a.m. I'd write, I'd read, I'd ideate, try to come up with, with what this could look like. And then the weekends as well. I remember just being like, hey, God, can you give me a sign that like I'm on the right track here? Because I'm happy to spend my time on this passion project, but if it goes somewhere, that'd probably be uh, <laughs> that'd probably be better than if it doesn't. Right. I remember being so nervous to publish my first LinkedIn article about she works abroad and, and what I was thinking at the time, and and I got ten thousand views like within the first few hours of putting it out there, and I was like, okay, that's the sign. Good. Like you know, I can keep right. going from here, building off. I that's that's what I needed to kind of see. Spark. That was the spark, and so from there. I started talking with a lot of people who are looking for global jobs, who wanted to work abroad, who, and I would just ask, who else do you know? Who else do you know? And so I collected about a hundred interviews over the course of six months or so with people who are all looking for international jobs and just seeing where their pain points and their problems were and helping them solve those. And that led to the first kind of V1 of She Works Abroad of being like, okay, there's, there's a problem here, which is that people know how to find jobs domestically for the most part, but really struggle on the international market when it comes to Mm -hmm. positioning themselves and finding opportunities where they can actually move there and and work. And within year two or so, I started to see a roadmap, kind of blurry, of where this could go if I gave it more attention. And so that's when I started to have discussions with my then current manager about like, hey, here's my bigger aspirations outside of the organization and what that would look like. And can you give me some support to stick one day off a week and just focus on this and like give it some TLC? Our agreement arrangement was essentially like, yeah, but I'll make up for it on the, the other, you know, four days slash weekend. But that was okay. That was just kind of the, I needed that space and that knowingness that I was allowed to create while also running and having a big, robust full-time career that there was a blessing for that for me to be able to really see if it if it had wings. That's great. And it's changing so much. I think you also have, and maybe not in, in sort of traditional companies, but I see it more in digital that you do have people that have and are even transparent about having sort of multiple projects or, or even a couple of part-time jobs or, or contracts or other things that you're working on a few things. I feel like Bonnie and I are in that place. We have our own agency. And then I also help run production for another agency. And that agency knows about our agency. And we even have had some of our team members work in that agency and vice versa. And like, but being like, yeah, this is great. As long as you find sort of a symbiotic nature and that it works for all the parties, then it's nice to not have to be in this like nine to five. And then you have to hide it all in a very like moonlighting kind of secrecy. Yeah. Project. I'm, a, I'm a really bad liar. So that was never going to work for me. <laughs> like someone asked me, like, are you doing, you know, what are you doing on this? Like, uh, uh, but also like, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to put myself out there and I wanted to cultivate and build a brand around She Works Abroad. And I couldn't do that publicly 
without first confiding in my boss and the people mm-hmm. that were around me. So I think, you know, coming out and just, and just being like, hey, this is the long term where I see. And this is, you know, I'm always so big on two things. One is a portfolio career. Like your career is not a perfect linear trajectory for the most part for 90% of us. It doesn't look like that. So there are going to be different kind of stops and starts along the way. And the second is that you have tours of duty wherever you are. So two to three years, and then you're going to need to switch it up two to three years. And that could be a different company or same company, but different types of positions. So I was rounding out into that next phase of my career at Sprinkler and just being able to kind of say like, I need to point my compass in the right direction here so that I land where I want to, where I see myself landing made sense in that conversation. Yeah. Nice. So when you made the switch, when was it that you said, all right, all done. This is, I'm putting all my chips in in this and sort of day one sitting down at your computer. When was that? It was October, 2017. So October, 2017, my relationship with Sprinkler then ended. I left, um, did like a big, about six month handover transition rollout plan, just kind of untangling myself from the interweavings of a startup and having been there for four and a half years, it took some time. So I wanted everything to land in the right spot for them. That was important to me in order to feel like I had the clean slate and the blessing that I wanted to go work on She Works Abroad. And at that point in time, I mean, talk about start before you're ready. Like I, I had no revenue coming in. Like I, I really, you know, it was just like I had a bunch of information and a bunch of ideas and excitement. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. And I'll give it, I think my husband and I decided at that point that I could give it one year of runway and we'd cut our expenses. And after one year, I, if I hadn't yet made any money within that year for She Works yeah. Abroad, that I would evaluate it seriously. And it took about that long, I would say. So I really did have to build up my, for me personally, build up my nest egg, like hit the ground running, but then also take like the jump to just say, I'm just going to try it. Like right. the worst thing that could happen is, it doesn't work and I go find another job. Great. Right. There's two important things there. I think it's the forcing measure. And I seem to live by this, which is like, yep, I'm going to do this thing. And, and then sort of being forced to adapt to that versus just kind of tinkering with it on the side is a big thing. And then the other, I think it's so great that you, you set that goal of just one year, let's evaluate and see where it's at. Give yourself enough runway, but you also know that year's coming and that you're going to need to get to to profitability at some point there. Right. Set a good deadline for yourself just to have a real evaluation. And even if it was like, okay, everything's still pointing in the right direction, but I'm not yet there. You know, you can always keep going. But if after a year, you're like, I'm not any closer to where I wanted to go. It's just a different conversation. Right. So what what have you found in entrepreneurship as you've sort of built from scratch? <laughs> Do you enjoy it as much as you thought you would? Are there other things that you didn't anticipate that you're like, oh gosh, has it been a growth journey? I mean, 100% it's been a growth journey. And I go back to like the, wherever you go, there you are. The best parts about my business are the usually the best parts about me and the worst parts about me. Right. And one of the things that I didn't anticipate as much because you just didn't know was how much of you, of your daily life is that I was going to show up in this business. Right. So my mindset controls the outcome of this business at the end of the day. And if I am not feeling it or feeling up to it or growing growth punches, that that comes back into what I'm doing. And 
I don't think I ever anticipated that much. And I never had to experience that truly working for someone else's organization. Sure, my mindset impacted my team, my peers, the people around me, how I felt about the work, the energy I brought into the room. But it didn't really, at the end of the day, dictate whether that business succeeded or not. And now I go back and I look at some of the CEOs I've worked for and I see how their mindset, like what actually was shifting the outcome of that organization and think, yeah, there was a lesson there for me. In that. Yeah, that's great. Are you habit driven in terms of how you sort of day to day approach work? Do you have habits and routines that you sort of set in place and that sort of helps you move the ball forward? Or do you sit down in the morning and sort of prioritize based on what you've got right then and tackle that way? So I have so much certainty in my business that I'm actually trying to introduce more uncertainty, meaning that I am very habit-driven and discipline-driven, but that isn't always what makes me happy. So while I feel like I should do it, and like my list, like I know, like every Monday morning, like I know exactly, like here's what I need to be doing this week, here's what it looks like, but that doesn't always bring me the most joy. So I'm trying to introduce after three years into my calendar times to play with more uncertainty or have like bigger gaps of creation, Mm -hmm. knowing that that's like really where for me, I get a lot of pleasure. But two quotes that I have at the top of my to-do list. One is discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments, right? So like you can dream big, but like if you don't do what you need to do at the end of the day, you're not going to have the business that you want to have. And the second one is Lindsay, make sure that what you want will be good for you in the long run. So that's my second mm, kind of like, nice. you know, little check in for myself that this isn't always about chasing the shiny object or going to the next thing. It's a lot about refinement and tuning in to what is working and doubling down on where things are good, not always looking for the next best thing. So those right. are the two kind of guiding lights I have. And then, yeah, quite rigorous and disciplined on what needs to be done. Nice. But you like to interject. I'm sure there's a bit of sort of going back to that forcing measure, but in interjecting that uncertainty into the routine, which sort of keeps you on your toes and and introduces you into new areas that you may not. Right, right. May not have have wandered previously. And this wasn't a problem that I had pre-COVID. I don't know if you've had this too, Kyle, but I used to have a level of uncertainty or variety injected into my life through travel. Yeah. And through seeing other people and and having right. coffees and doing all you know these things that like made you know the discipline part have that level of uncertainty and variety to it and and that's not there right now. I mean, you know, it's taking me what eight months, nine months to kind of figure that out. That okay, I need that other aspect. So I'm all ears if you have found ways to interject <laughs> <laughs> this level of uncertainty and variety that you want into into work. For me. I'm a builder by nature. I'm not a a runner. So I've definitely learned that about myself. You know, even at the the sprinkler time, I was where I got my sort of rush was from, hey, we thought about setting up a partnership division. What is that? And they're sort of like, file, new. All right. What what are we going to do here? And like starting from that clean slate and driving that forward. Now, once it gets to a certain place and then where it 
inherently it gets to that place where it's like, okay, we need to run this. And then incrementally it needs to continue to make more and it needs to make more and it needs to grow and it needs to make more. I think once it gets to a bit of that plateau and in the running phase, then I'm like, okay, what else needs to be built or what else can be built? Or right. And so I find myself doing that a lot where in COVID time, you're right. Uh, I did, I had so much when I was in New York, I was traveling you know, half the year and lots of different clients and um, lots of different teams and cities. Now I find myself, it's all about learning from a career perspective from, you know, where, where I, I dive into like web, de- deep into like web development and I push on that for a few months and I'm sort of learning and, and growing and doing lessons and boot camps. And then I end up pivoting and it sort of looks like educational ADD, but then I pivot. I'm like, oh, I've never, you know, I've always thought about starting a podcast and I don't know much about sort of audio hardware and sort of editing software. And so let's go do that. And the same thing from a business perspective that, you know, Bonnie and I start pushing on different types of clients and things, getting into motion and animation and things that we've never done before. And and then also working with different companies that are looking to set up different divisions. So for me, it's, um, I guess it's always been less about like the title and the position in a company as much as it is like, what am I learning right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Am I sort of right up to my nose in the water of like being in the deep end? Where I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out here. And I always sort of love being in that place because then when I turn around and look at everything, I'm like, oh, great. We did that and that and that and that yeah. and that. And now I know how to do that and that. And so that's what I get my kick from. But I like it. I can take a lesson from that, from that notebook. And, you know, some of the conversations that I've been having with others is I'm in the global career space, right? So helping mm-hmm. professionals secure international careers and move abroad. And that's essentially like, I'm playing futurist right now because we don't know what that actually is going to look like a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. And I would say you definitely are futurist in in that while while I think the world as it stands right now is sort of pushing against globalism, it feels like we're sort of in that period where it's like, this is my space. And you can definitely see in, in the future it's going to be such a small world Mm -hmm. where we can, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, countries become, more like states and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there and, and sort of centralizing everything, whether that be in looking at things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and how you get paid and the ability to sort of travel in different countries and remote work and right. do it from anywhere and, and the democratization of education on what you want to do. You could right. learn just about anything from YouTube and then go do it anywhere. So you're definitely in a prime space to build this for the generations to come, which is amazing. Yeah. And be thinking about as well, the U.S. has been in a couple years of contraction, right? Immigration policies have really become restrictive. And we're seeing other countries, the U.S. is not the only one in this case that has become more focused internally. Right. However, what we're seeing as a result of that from other countries, what I am seeing quite regularly is they're kind of licking their lips at the talent that's going to come out of this, meaning the talent that's going to turn away from the U.S. or come out of the U.S. and go mm-hmm. to other space. So it's interesting to me that some of this you know, capitalistic nature in terms of we want to build a really good business, et cetera, you can't do that without really good talent. 
And right. really good talent is going elsewhere. For example, like Canada is very happy to welcome all the engineers that the U.S. is not going to renew their visas <laughs> on, as is Germany, as is Estonia, as is all, you know these other locations. So for me, it's going to kind of level the playing field here if countries continue to focus on anti-immigration will give opportunity to new locations, new countries, new cities to pop up and to say, like, we now have the talent to do some pretty incredible and exciting things. From my perspective, that just, it rolls the dice in a way that hasn't been rolled in a while. Yeah, I agree. What would you, with all these changes, what would your recommendations be to sort of the, either the up-and-comers that are coming out of college or those that are in established jobs right now that are thinking, okay, how do I start to participate in, in right. this sort of global market and potentially travel abroad? So the biggest shift that I see, the difference between people who have rockstar domestic careers versus rockstar international careers is their focus on either their industry or profession, et cetera, on a domestic scale or on a global scale. Right. So when I'm working with people, a lot of times the questions that I'll ask them, because they've been applying for jobs or they've been applying and looking for work internationally, they even might have worked with global teams, global companies, et cetera, but they don't know how to explain their value on a global stage. Meaning like, what are some of the bigger problems that are happening in your industry? What are some of the bigger opportunities and how are you uniquely positioned given your background, skill set, degrees, nationality, et cetera, to address those? So you can't take what you've been saying in a domestic market and just plop it on an international market and right. expect there to be a lot of the same nuances. There, there just aren't. As an example, like a marketing manager that has been focused on CPG or has been focused on retail, it may be harder to then try and go find something similar in Dubai or in Singapore or somewhere like that. Is that a good example of yeah. So I'll give you the example of I helped someone move to London in a social media career and she was coming out of New York City. And so we said, well, what's happening in London around social media? And so when we started to read some of the industry reports and journals, et cetera, she was like, this is honestly like stuff I was doing for my clients about a year, year and a half ago. They're a clip behind. And some of the problems that they're having are more based on the fact that they're trying to service many more markets than just we are trying to service in the U.S., and so different like consumers and how their identifications, et cetera. So we talked when she was in the market in the UK, she used her experience that she had about a year and a half more than most of her colleagues there would have to say, I see what's coming and I see what you need to do. And I'm at the forefront of what's happening in social media. And for the next two years, I can help those clients in Europe ramp up that much faster or be that much wow. more successful. So it's defining and finding those differences and then using your knowledge and your skill set to understand like where you can add the most value, but on a more global basis, or in this case, in more, you know, UK, British, European basis. Right. Nice. Well, and I would say in social media and in digital, it's you know, what the good, and maybe you, maybe you can help me with this, but the delineation between when I think digital, so if someone that works in either digital design or digital development or content or social media, anything that sort of relates to that web development, app development, social space is one space. What for more sort of traditional roles, do you find that that's just as easy or, or harder or where typically they thought you had to be on site or you had to be sort of in an yeah. office? 
Right. Well, I think it's just different based on where you're looking to work. So sometimes people will come to me and they're like, you know, they say, I want to be on the ground in in France, or I want to be on the ground in this location doing this type of work. But when you dig into it, that market is saturated with that type of expertise or knowledge. And you're going to have to find a really unique way to describe what you do that's different. And that can be done, but it's going to be more difficult than if you would go uh, and look and for work in a location or with a business where there isn't that same amount of talent and same amount of competition. And so then when it comes to the remote working aspect of all of this as well, it is exciting because it opens the opportunities for people who didn't have that opportunity before, right? Who couldn't like get in front before. But it's also exciting too for people that are in traditional roles to kind of say like, what do I want this next phase of my life to look like? How do I want it to Mm -hmm. end with my life, with my lifestyle? And like, where can I do that? And what type of organization or what location can I have that? And can that exist? Would you say that now is a good time for, well, I'll preface this by, I know, I know a lot of countries are sort of locked down in this moment, but in the period we are at with more remote work, and I've heard you speak before about part of what you do is consult employees to talk to their employers and say, Hey, I would like to actually go work from somewhere else. Mm -hmm for a little while and sort of coaching and teaching them on how to do that and how to present their case. Would you say it's easier now to kind of present that to be able to work remotely versus whereas it used to be that the idea was you're going to be in the office Mm -hmm. and that you would have to actually transfer offices to go somewhere else. Is it the same now? We are in this moment creating the future of work. So how hard employees push for a different reality the closer we're going to get to to making that happen. Because I think this is the first time, I mean, certainly in, since I've been alive, that everything has changed so quickly in the office place and at work, mm-hmm. the way that work is done, that what I'm hoping to see, not only from an employee perspective, from an employer perspective, but also from a country perspective, is looking at a lot of antiquated, old school immigration policies and laws that are mostly based on tax reasons, et cetera, and find yeah. ways that people as a community, as a globe, as a global employee base, we can do really good work and we can do it from other locations. So I'm not a fan. Sometimes people are like, you know, they'll say, uh, we're writing new policies. I'm, I'm hearing that a lot right now. We're writing new remote work policies because right. we can't do a one-to-one. We have 50,000 employees or whatever. And I always say like push before the policy, you know, like get in there and create your own arrangement before someone does it for you because you might not like what they come up with as much as what you would have liked to propose. So this is a great time to push before the policy because there's going to be a new wave of here's what remote work is to our organization. Here's what it looks like. And there is opportunity right now for play in terms of how far you can stretch it. Nice. I know for a lot of people, especially in the digital space, your portfolio, your social, your ability to sort of make content and sort of create this persona is so much more now than the resume was. Do you see that a lot, especially when you're when you're going abroad, that it's not not as much the uh, please attach a PDF and we'll let you know or, you know, how much sort of focus and attention should people put on their own personal brand? So having a resume is an amazing exercise in understanding your value. 
right? Because it makes you, especially if you're doing a value-based resume where you're talking about like, here's what I can add to a business. Here's what, you know, what I set out to do. Here's what inspires me. Here's all those types of things that can go into the underpinning of a good resume, which is one of the reasons that I love helping people write resumes and wordsmithing, et cetera, but I won't do it for you because there's a confidence exercise that comes from putting together a portfolio, you know, going back and looking at what you've accomplished and, and what you've done and what you're good at and what you want to keep doing that I really think people miss out on if they don't take that opportunity. But your resume is a piece of paper. It does not sell you. You sell you. Right. So like I usually say like it is part of the background check process. You know, when you like you meet someone, you have a conversation, you're going through interviews or whatever, and they're like, we're going to do a quick background check to make sure that you're not, you know, like a psycho serial killer. And you're like, fine, great. I see, view the resume as part of that. Like, let's just make sure like you're not a psycho serial killer. Can you just show me your resume, you know, first? But the brand, your portfolio, your online presence, and a lot of that as well is how those pieces fit together. Like, are you telling a cohesive story that is compelling are you one of those people who don't have that much out there? So you're letting people decide their own story about who you are and what mm-hmm. you do? Or do you have disjointed parts of your story all over, like something on Instagram and Facebook and a little bit on LinkedIn that's sprinkling and kind of diluting your brand? So when it comes to working on the global stage, we're going to start seeing, and I think we already have, a much bigger push to put those things out first. Right. So when you think about your who's your ideal client to work with or to partner with, like, who who listening to this or or who out there would be sort of in the right moment in the right space to reach out to you and want to get started? It's a really great question. So for me, the biggest aspect is they have to be committed to having a global career. This has to be something that really moves them, that they want, they see the value in, they know what it is like to step in foreign territory and be an outsider the fear that comes with that, but also the awesome opportunity to learn, to grow and develop and to become someone who maybe they didn't know before. Right. And it's more fun when that person has decided that this is their journey for them. I think for everyone involved, because it's not easy. Right. And I think sometimes people like having a remote career. It's different if you want to go away and work from your computer with your same set of colleagues etc. for three months in Costa Rica is very different than saying like, I'm going to go work in a German environment or Singaporean environment and potentially be the cultural mismatch out of the group, but find ways to still be successful and use all those skills that I wanted to use and grow those skills that I wanted to use in a new environment. And so that's one of the biggest things I see between remote work and, and then, you know, actually working on the ground. But the biggest prerequisite that it comes from is like the grit and determination and commitment that that's what you want. And that's a good segmentation of how to think about it, I guess. So you would prefer someone more that really wants to, I want to work for my company or find another company and I want to go live in and work in Germany in my career with a company and sort of saturate myself in German culture and sort of learn what it's like to be a German for a while while also progressing my career is different than saying I'd like to take my laptop and work from Estonia for a little while just because I want to see what that country's like. Right. In terms of the clients that you work with, do you have sort of both in terms of who you coach? I have both. So I'll tell you at a collective level, I believe that the more we spend time with the other, learning about other people, Mm -hmm. the better our human race will do. 
And so the more times we put ourselves outside of our own comfort zone. So for me, that might look like living in Mongolia, you know, in the middle of nowhere and really stretching myself to the max. But for my brother, that might look like two months in Costa Rica, being outside in a, in a Spanish-speaking environment that's a little bit out of your comfort zone. And I think those are both great. I think those are both awesome. I think what you know, what you want to do is look to see like what's the next step for you that would be exhilarating, that would help you learn, that would feed you, give you that joy and that excitement. And then I know it would take us one step to a much more meaningful human race and interaction between one another. Nice. Great. Well, so how do people engage with you? Where do, where do they find you and where should they reach out? Yeah, sheworksabroad.com is the domain I'm working with, but lindsay at sheworksabroad.com. Anyone, you can always drop me an email or connect with me on LinkedIn too. So I have people that come through both. And I think the biggest question that I think a lot of us are asking right now is given our circumstances and how closely now we are seeing how much our environment affects our daily life from not being able yeah. to, to leave. I know a lot of us are, are saying, what's next for me? What's my next step? What does that look like? And I think going through that discovery of, you mentioned it, Kyle, like you're, you've been deep into education and exploration and learning and developing, et cetera. It's because at this time, a lot of us need to feed that part of ourselves that is maybe being held captive due to COVID at, at the moment. So it's a good time to right. be exploring. Nice. And laying the groundwork, I imagine, for for when things do open up. Right. I mean, you want to be, better you be first in line than thinking about it once things open. What's that runway? Is it three months or six months or a year or like how, how far out should you, if I decide right now, like I really would love to go, you know, live in, in Spain for a little while. Like when do I, when I, when that hits me and it's not just a fleeting thing, like I actually want to do this, like what sort of runway do, does someone need to sort of give you in terms of starting to work with them? And this is country specific too, because you'll see big differences visa-wise in the process and also interview-wise. You know, where in the US, for example, you can hire someone to work the next day. There is no legal time that we have to give an employer in the United States. You can literally start a new job tomorrow, like pending, mm-hmm. you know, pending signing the contract. In other countries, that is the most ludicrous thing they've ever heard in their entire life. You <laughs> must give an employer six months notice. You must have a three-month runway. So, the, so that is also part of like the cultural aspect and cultural story, which is great. So I say, if you were going to step away and just say, if I was going to look at all these countries and put them together, you want to give yourself four to six months. You need four to six months to find a job that you're excited about or come up with the plan and get the plan or find the remote job, et cetera, and then go through the potential legalese that needs to happen in order to get on the ground and get up and running. And then how do you typically, how does it typically work with you? So I imagine for that four to six months, you're, you're coaching someone, let's say they do get on the ground. Do you sort of continue to coach from a relationship perspective, you know, through the first quarter or two, or is it Uh sort of through the first year of career development or Uh how does that work? The awesome thing about the She Works Abroad alumni group is that it is made up of a group of people who are all working internationally, working globally, helping people, supporting people who are on that journey as well, but connecting with one another and, and me too. So I would say when most people leave, I know the cycle that happens when you get on the ground, right? There's going to be this awesome honeymoon period. There's going to be a little bit of adjustment period, right? Like 10 days, like bank account, phone, all of a sudden. Then there's going to be this awesome honeymoon period where you just can't get enough. And you're just so happy. This is the best thing you've ever done with your life. And then there's going to be a huge dip 
<laughs> what did I do? What are you like? Is this right? Is this right? And all the things that you like loved about the culture, all those like small things are going to be the first things that drive you nuts. Like no one waits in line or there's no coffee to go, like all of these little <laughs> things. And so then you're going to reconcile. And then you're going to get to a place where you're like, okay, I can manage this culture. I can manage myself and I can find my rhythm. So until someone gets there, I'm very high touch because I know what it, I know what it's like to go through that transition. And I think them knowing that, that like, yep, are you facing this yet? Has this started to happen? Yep. Okay. Got it. Like you're right where you need to be is really helpful. Yeah. Now, just personally, you you and John have, have moved quite a bit over the past while. Oh my goodness! Yeah. But then finally settled a little bit, right? Yeah, we uh, did. Have you been you've been settled in. We did. Yeah. So I mean, we I think we counted we ten years. We made six moves, multiple cities, continents, countries, etc. But we've found, and I, you know, kind of we we we've spoken about this, but I, I call it my modern nomadic marriage. So we we had to find a rhythm that worked for us, right? Because I wanted one thing, he wants one thing. It's like, what's our Venn diagram? Like, let's focus on the middle, right? And what that looks like. So we are right. doing, we're doing pre-COVID the hub and spoke model, which was our hub is Miami, Florida. And then that spokes out into South America, New York, and a few other locations. For the past eight months, it's been very Miami focused, which I have to tell you, having spoken to a gazillion people over the past eight months, I'm very thankful for because it feeds a lot of what I need on a daily basis in terms of culture, language, diversity, and differences. Um, and weather. So weather. <laughs> no complaints about the weather. No complaints about the weather. So it's been something that's really, that has surprised both of us that this has become the hub, but it has been a really, really great stop. Nice. What's next? Just staying settled for a little bit and just sort of running the ship or anything on the horizon? Maybe that's my level of uncertainty. Remember I said I need to introduce more uncertainty to my life. Maybe that's my level of uncertainty. No, I mean, we are looking at 2021 like most people. I think looking at 2021 and saying like, well, how can we make this a successful year? And what does success look like to us? And right. it will most likely have some relocating for portions of time aspects to it, whether that be depending on COVID, South America, Europe, et cetera. But knowing full, full well, like that's going to come likely with a quarantine, likely with some hoops to jump through. But, you know, that that's the world we live in right now. So you got to play the cards you're dealt. Nice. Well. What about you? We're actually thinking about, we typically go in these January cycles, like as soon as January comes around, we're like, what's next? And we also very much live on two-year cycles. I think I'm built in a, out of just a string of two-year cycles. So We've been running Concept Theory for about two years. We've been here in our house in Georgia for about two years. We're actually contemplating in January renting out this house and then going, I don't know where, for a year. Mm -hmm. And that may be a little bit of potentially to Bonnie's parents in California. They haven't spent as much time with the little one, just mm -hmm. with everyone being locked down. And then, um, or my mom for a little bit. But we're also just looking at, I don't know, we'd love to go back to Hudson Valley for, for a little bit. And because we're so insulated. I mean, it doesn't really matter. We're really right. just, we're just different venues as long as we've got some nature and some outdoors and some space for the boys and the pup, then I don't know, just change venues for a year. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I, then, you know, maybe not for those of us with, you know, kids and dogs and things in tow, but certainly that's an option. But if I was footloose and fancy free at the moment, 
I would be taking advantage of some of the digital nomad visas that we see popping up because it could go away. That is a response to a lack of tourism, right? There are countries and locations that are putting out one-year visas with like very good tax incentives, helping you get set up, et cetera, to try to get you to come, of course, and continue to spend dollars in their country, like the, right. the gap that they're seeing through tourism. And I don't know how long this will be around. You know, my hope is that they'll become freelance and entrepreneurial visas, but that is unknown. So if you're in a position where you can be working from anywhere and take advantage of that, then the likes of Dubai, Bermuda, the you know Republic of Georgia, Barbados, Costa Rica, you're starting to see this happen. And I think you're singing my song with all those, yeah, all the, that I list. Know. I know. It's a good list. And there's some people that are jumping on for the PR opportunities like Finland and some people who are desperate, like who really wanted to be working like Estonia. But because of the how the U.S. has handled COVID, unfortunately, not all are open to America. Mm. But the ones I listed are. I promise I'm healthy. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's actually, and it's, it's funny, even every time we talk about this, it just gets me, you end up lighting a fire around that. Now that I think about like this idea that we've been playing with to rent the house and go elsewhere, I'm like, I think uh, I might have to follow up with a, with a meeting and a consultation to figure out where we could go explore. The reality of the situation is the likelihood that you're going to regret spending a year in Barbados is very slim. <laughs> very slim. Very right? slim. But the likelihood that like if 2021 rolls out like 2020 and you don't do anything that you're going to regret not doing anything is very high. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the chance that my tan would be so much better in Barbados <laughs> than it is here. Very high. Very, very high. high. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. I'm It always invigorates me with the way I'm built in terms of wanting to go live abroad and and have other experiences. And Mm -hmm. you've really uh, become such an expert in this field. It's amazing. Your next two-year cycle. It could be, you know, it could be someplace else, completely different. Let's do it. Barbados, here I come. (laughs) Barbados, 21. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. 